Flam. Rush hour. Triple M. Now, we don't talk enough of this sport, UFC. And I know I, I get more emails and uh, tweets about this from UFC people. Why don't you talk about our sport? Well, now we've got one of the biggest and one of the best, and he's out here for a big bout on Saturday night. Michael Bisping, one of the big names. In fact, I don't. I'm not a massive UFC fan, Michael. I appreciate your sport, but even I knew your name. That's. I think you're in that top sort of half dozen most recognisable. How are you, champion? I'm very well, my friend. Thank you very much. Quite the introduction. And can I just say, it sounds like a very learned bunch of listeners that you have requesting that you yeah. cover the UFC more. Good for them. Well, Sort I've, yourself out, mate. Well, I'll tell, you, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you something. Years and years ago, you'd go down to the, a big pub in Sydney or yeah. Brisbane. It'd be chockers on a Sunday afternoon if there was a title fight uh, boxing uh, bout on. Sure. Now, once a month, you cannot get into a pub that is showing UFC. What was the big turnaround? F- say 15, 20 years ago, this sport was niche. It had its popularity, but it was niche. Sure. Now it's mainstream. How did this happen? Yeah, well, of course, like you said, when this sport, you know, first, uh, you know, hit the streets, if you will, it was um, kind of a spectacle, if you will. But since the new owners, well, I say new owners, they've owned, they've owned it since 1993, uh, they really transformed the sport into a legitimate uh, mainstream sport uh, that's highly respected and has the best athletes in the world. And the production, the fighters, everything is, um, you know, it's top-notch. This is the Premier League of fighting. Mm. And the slogan for the UFC is as real as it gets. And it really is. And, you know, listen, everybody loves to watch a good fight when it's the best, highly skilled, uh, trained fighters in the world. And, uh, and that's what you get in the UFC. The best guys fa- facing the best guys all the time. So it truly is one of the most exciting sports you can watch. Oh, oh I agree with that. I've got a theory that maybe 15, 20 years ago, Non MMA people saw this as thuggery, as brutality. How did the how did how did the sport change the perception that yes, it does have its brutality, but this is a sport of, of strength and skill. Well, of course, you know, obviously, when when the sport first started, there wasn't the rules implemented that they have now. Um, you know, as I say, and it was kind of marketed the wrong way. You know, two men enter, one man leave, all that type of thing. That isn't the case now. As I say, the Nevada Athletic State Commission, uh, they brought in, uh, you know, a huge set of rules, um, you know, regulations, right. and, uh, weight classes, things like that, you know, and they cleaned up the sport. They gave it some uh, some, some stronger rules, as I said, and, uh, and then slowly but surely, everybody came around. They gave it the recognition and the respect that it deserves. Um, of course, along the way, there was detractors, if you will, but as I said, fortunately, everybody now, they've all got on board and they realise what a wonderful sport it is. We're going to get to you personally in a moment, but let me ask you about the main man, Dana White. What makes him, yeah. what makes him so good? He seems to be this wonderful visionary. Yeah, well, listen, in short, Dana White is the man. It's as simple as that. I've got so much respect for this guy, but he's responsible for taking the sport to, as you said, you know, a niche sport, a fringe sport, and turning it into one of the biggest sporting events in the world. Um, he had the, the vision, him and his partner, Lorenzo Fatica, they put their money where their mouth is. They invested a huge amount of money. And as you say, a fledgling sport, they turned it around into the most successful combat sport in the world. Um, Dana is a visionary. Um, he, he's a passionate man. He's a huge fight fan and he's a fantastic businessman. So he's the perfect man to have at the helm of such an extreme sport like the UFC. Does he have total authority in the sense of, does he say, right, Bisping, you are fighting Rockhold and that's the end of the matter? 
Yeah, well, of course, you know, Dana is the, uh, he's the president, you know. Um, they also have a matchmaker, that his name is Joe Silver. He kind of helps make the matches. Uh, but Dana, and as I say, Lorenzo, he's the owner as well. Those guys, they put the matches together. And if they say, listen, you're fighting him, you're fighting him. And that's always been a benefit of the UFC. Um, not that I'm taking away from boxing, but one of the negative things about boxing is that some of the best guys won't face each other because they're in different organizations, you know, WBO, uh, WBA, things like that. You know, so you know it's always been difficult. Everybody wants to see Manny Pacquiao face Floyd Mayweather, but they fight in different organisations. Um, the beauty of the UFC is that everybody fights under one stable, and they make the matches that the fans want to see. Tell me about your background. I read here you're born on an army base in Cyprus to an English father yeah. and a Northern Irish mother. That's that is some uh, upbringing. Yeah, 100%, you know, and it was certainly very colourful. Uh, I come from a great family, you know, they tried the best, God bless them. Uh, but still, here I am fighting in the UFC for a living, so something went wrong. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, no, um, so my background, I started off doing martial arts when I was eight years old, and I was very passionate uh, passionate about it right from the very start. I fell in love with it, and, um, you know, perhaps my schoolwork took a little bit of a knock because I was obsessed with martial arts, and it was just a natural progression, you know. I, I started off doing jiu-jitsu, then I did boxing and then kickboxing and uh, and here now I do mixed martial arts and compete in the UFC so it was always a natural progression as I said now Hang on, you're 35 now so when you were, yeah. you were, you were starting um, there was no money in MMA I gather so uh, I don't want to say you're lucky because you've earned every you've, you've deserved every sure. cent you've earned but this could have easily been a, a passion and, and not a living no, 100%. When I first started it, martial arts was a passion. It wasn't something that I looked at where you could make a living. And, um, you know, I, and I suppose in, in, in a funny way, that was, that, that was good because I was involved with it for the right reasons. I never got involved with martial arts for money or fame or anything like that. I did it as, as a passion and, and my love for martial arts, as I said. So um, it was the correct start. But fortunately for me, as you say, you know, money did get involved and the sport got wider, you know, more widely recognized. And and, uh, and we get the respect we deserve now as athletes, and we get compensated appropriately. Uh, you've had plenty of fights here, Michael, 32 in the professional ranks, and the UFC, God knows how many you've had overall. How long does it take for your body to recover after one of these bouts? Yeah, see, see that's the thing, you know, I mean, it's the training and the preparation for one of these fights, for one of these bouts, that is that takes the toll on the body. Of course, on the night, you know, we, we um, you know, who knows, the fight might go your way, you might win the fight relatively quick, or you could have a five-round war. Um, but it's the training that really takes its toll on the body. Of course, the fight is one night, but mm. there's two months of training that goes into a fight. So, you know, it's a pretty heavy schedule on the body, two, three times a day, six days a week. So it's very, very hard. And, um, you know, you do need a bit of downtime afterwards. Fortunately, there's a fantastic safety record uh, with the UFC. There's never been mm. a death or a serious injury in the history of the sport. I'm quick to point that out yeah. for any detractors that there may be. Um, so, you know, listen, of course, listen, it's not a sport for the faint-hearted, but it's not the death sport that people think it is. It's, um, you know, it, it's the best guys in the world were well-trained athletes. And, yeah, so afterwards, you know, you do need some time to put your feet up and maybe, you know, knock back a couple of cold ones, <laughs> but um, a few weeks and you're ready to go again. Uh, we uh, spoke earlier about the, how the sport is put together. Uh, tell me about this. In, in say, boxing... If, you, if you're up near the top and you lose one, that's okay. But you can't lose another one or you go right down the slippery slope. What is it? Is it a little more forgiving in UFC? 
Well, see, the thing is, I mean, as I said earlier, in the UFC, the best guys are facing the best guys all the time. So, again, I'm, I'm not trying to detract from boxing, but, you know, you hear these guys and they fill out these records, you know, they're like 30 and old, you know, they've yes. never lost a fight. You don't hear about that in mixed martial arts or the UFC because, one, there's so many different ways to win and lose a bout, you know, uh, because there's so many different styles of fighting. And secondly, as I said before, the best guys are facing the best guys all the time. So, you know, to, to go a run of 30, 30-odd fights or something ridiculous like that without losing. Well, it hasn't been done yet. I'm not going to say it's impossible because it's not. Nothing's impossible, but it's unheard of as yet. All right, we've got to go here, but I want to ask you a couple more questions, Michael. A few years ago, the flag bearer of your organization was a guy called Brock Lesnar, WWE superstar yes. and an absolute beast. Was it a little awkward to have... as good as he was, and he was a monster in whatever sport you put him in, but was it a little awkward to have a WWE guy as your main man? Well, I don't think it's fair to say that he was the flag bearer of the sport. He came over from the WWE and he made a big impact, that's for sure. He won the heavyweight title and and he was a huge star, you know. Um, Of course, you know, people had to be careful that they didn't get the the lines crossed, sorry, confused between WWE and what we do. Um, You know, and, and, you know, not that I'm talking bad about Brock Lesnar because, as you said, he is a, a, a beast and a huge star. But he won the title, but he didn't keep hold of it for very long because this isn't the WWE yeah. and you have to fight properly and uh, it wasn't long before we see him got knocked out So and uh, and he exited the sport but that said there is talk of him coming back he's a huge star and um, you know he would be an asset to the UFC okay well, uh, you're an actor I read here you've done a few movies are you better than Ra- are you are you better than Randy Couture Oh, mate, come on, listen. <laughs> That's easy. Come on, pal. Yeah, I actually have a personality for one, so uh, <laughs> come on, mate. Yeah, but he's been in Expendables. He's been in Expendables. That's right. Come on. I, I, I'm just getting started, pal. You okay, know, you've got okay. to start somewhere. Okay. You know, give me some time. Give I, don't, me some time. I, I, I don't want to get on your bad side. I read you're a Van Damme guy. <laughs> You know what, when I was a kid, I was a massive Van Damme fan, as uh, embarrassing as that is, but when kickboxing and all those types of things, when they were out, I was 10 years old, so I thought that guy doing the splits and kicking people in the head, <laughs> I thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. All right, give me one, what's your favourite Van Damme line? Van Damme line, oh, I don't know about Van Damme line. Oh, my God, you, you're asking me to... He didn't really have you know, lines, did he? He, he didn't he really didn't have, really have lines. lines. He just kind of stood there, took his top off and kicked people in the face, you know? <laughs> That'll do. You know? That'll get it done. This is getting a little homoerotic. Not that there's anything wrong with that, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get back on track and talk about fighting and beer. <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to get to know you, Michael. You're a fascinating character. <laughs> We've got to go, but you've got – tell me very quickly again, uh, Luke Rockhold, when and where is this fight happening? This fight is taking place Saturday, November 8th at the Old Phones Arena here in Sydney. Um, This is a huge fight in the middleweight division. Do not miss it. Tune in and watch it on TV. Is it Fox? Fox. It's on Fox here in Australia. Uh, There may still be some tickets, although it's almost a sellout. So if you're free, get on down to the arena, watch the fight at the Old Phones Arena. Tune in, watch it on Fox. Do not miss it. Lou Rockhold is going to get beat. And uh, for any Australians listening, I expect to be cheered. Okay? I'm part of the Commonwealth. First time I came down here, I expected to get cheered. And you sons of God. You're a pommy. You booed me. You booed me. I know I'm a pommy, but come on. We founded you guys. So, uh, you know, so back us up 
a little no, bit here. No, no. You, uh, no, you, you see us as convicts, Michael. That's yeah, why we yeah, boo yeah, you. Yeah. Well, if the shoe fits, mate. All right. <laughs> we got just, we got to go, kidding. mate. You're a champion, uh, for uh, mate. Thank you for this chat. It's been absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's been lovely to meet you. Good luck on Saturday night, and I hope we speak again. Anytime. And just for the record, I'm married to an Aussie, so uh, I'm only playing. There you go, Aussies. There's a reason to cheer for him. Thanks, Michael. Mm-hmm. Triple Cheers, M. guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Triple M. Rush out.